So this week we have a very, very special friend guest who is going to be with us again for the second time because we love him so much. We love him so much. It's just necessary to bring our friends onto the podcast and keep showing off to you guys that we're friends with cool people. That's probably the best way of putting it, right? Yep. Like a returning friend, you know. We had such a good time with him last time. We definitely said, you know, you got to come back. And luckily he said yes to Jen's many, yes. many, many requests. <laughs> uh, no, we had a great conversation. Uh, it's Zach Bud. Zach Bud. You might remember him from, I think it's episode 28 of season one. That was, you know, Polykink 101 Z marks the spot. We'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. Um, but Zach is a... To me, world-renowned consent educator. There is a part at the beginning of the interview where I'm just kind of ripping on him for being so famous. So <laughs> there is that. There is that. Yeah, um, she gives yes. him all the accolades in the world and he doesn't want to accept them. So now she's doing it here in the intro where he can't stop her. Exactly. He can't stop me now. Ha <laughs> I've got it out there. Um, so because September is consent month, we decided... Why not bring a real life consent educator into this thing to talk about that stuff? So here we are. That's why we brought Zach. And we had a really, really great conversation. Of course, we'll put all the details to links and stuff that we mentioned in our show notes so you guys can enjoy that. But we don't want to make our intro too long today because we really, really want you to just dive into the conversation. Yeah, you really want to get into this. Like, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, you think you know about consent, but trust me, once once you get started, you'll be like, oh, I didn't even think about this i won't i won't spoil anything but just know oh we do say this in the podcast your mind will be blown yes he blows our minds a lot a lot a lot a lot but before we get there with you guys we want to talk a little bit about alt playground and their merger with love voodoo now i didn't know what love voodoo was before i'm not gonna lie I only know about all the cool sites, which All Playground's the coolest site there is. So, you know, <laughs> they've acquired uh, Love Voodoo and Swingers Underground sites. And you're probably thinking, uh, why do we care? What does that mean? Well, well. We, there's more well, people. Exactly. <laughs> it means there are many more lifestylers all in one convenient place. You don't got to sign up for 30,000 different sites exactly. to get through to what it just where everyone's on our playground now. So the love voodoo users and their data will definitely be merged fully into all playground.net site. And so it results, like I said, in way more people for you to connect with. It's just another example of how all playground is changing the game. Like they've acquired so many sites just since we signed on with them just to bring more and more people to the community. Yeah. So, just bringing people together. Like these are people who are in their own little bubbles, wishing they could, you know, be connected with other people or hoping more people come to their sites. But now, all their sites are connected into one wonderful place, and that's All Playground. It's allplayground.net. So sign up today at allplayground.net if you haven't already. So you can connect with, you know, have the ultimate lifestyle experience, connect with more like-minded people from across the country. But also, you should already be on allplayground.net. So this should not be like a huge stretch for you. But yeah, if you haven't signed on in a while, log in today. Log into allplayground.net. See what's popping over there. Check out our community. See what's happening. And uh, I think that's all she wrote for that. Yep. Thanks again. All Playground. Thanks again. Uh, But yeah, so let's just kick it to the thing. I'm Jen. Oh, I'm Sham. And And we're we're monogamous. monogamous. I feel like I was previous. We're close. 
We were very close. Very close. Yeah. Just a touch off, maybe. So, today I am talking to the world leading consent educator. I see you guys know I do this all the time. Every time someone comes on, we really like, I talk about, oh my God, it's the most famous person in the world. But it's okay. We've had this person on the podcast before, and we're going to have them again sometime soon because I'm greedy and I want to monopolize all of their time and content just for me. So there's that. Uh, If you can't tell, based on the laughing at me in the background, we have Zach back again (laughs) this time. You know, last time we had him on, he talked about his life story. Today, because it's September and it's consent month and there's a lot of conversations happening around consent happening in the world, I decided, why not bring the consent educator back to educate (laughs) us? All right. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys so much, uh, Monogamous Pod world and friends and everybody for having me back. Happy Consent Month to everybody. I hope wherever you are in the world, uh, you are relatively safe. I know, and I say relatively because there are not a lot of safe places left in the world right now. So um, wherever you are, here's to you. I hope you guys are doing great. So thanks for having me. Thank you. It's like for a being homecoming because last time was so good. <laughs> It's like, oh no, he's just just coming back, you know. Like, I love it, away man. for a while, but you know, he's back, back again. Hey, you know, it's like catching, no, up with you... a, catching up with an old friend. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, it, it's uh, yeah. The last time I was here was just great. You guys really are kind of like family. You made it so easy, um, and I enjoy it. I mean, I really enjoy being here. I want to tell you though, this is just a, a quick little point because I know this is like a last minute thing for us to schedule. So scheduling wasn't easy. Right now is usually one of my date nights, but one of my loves actually had something else going on so and i as you know i worked late so i am happy to be here with you guys i'll make it up with her we're all good so but th- i'm glad to be here would not miss uh, it ah uh, well thank you <laughs> to your love for allowing you to be on this date night by being busy doing something else there you go yeah yeah i'll make sure she knows so no worries yeah. she'll probably hear it when she listens to the episode it's fine there you go. she'll, she'll yeah, probably you know go. she knows send, how much we send appreciate her, her send them our best regards Will do. Will do. <laughs> all right. So let's just dive right into the heavy stuff. You know, you guys already know all about Zach. We, of course, <laughs> put a bio for him in our show notes. We'll do all the usual stuff that we do. But today we're yeah. talking about consent. So he's wearing the consent educator hat today, not his kink hat. <laughs> well, sort of his kink hat and the I poly mean, hat and all the hats. Yeah. They're all worn permanently, but the consent one's in front today. So that's what we're doing. For everyone at home who cannot see me, I literally have my hand in front of my forehead trying to do something. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's happening. She's doing a lot of like visual work right now, you know, going yeah. above and beyond the Call of Duty. Yeah, or who, think... we don't know. I mean, I guess for us, yeah. <laughs> understand yeah. her metaphors. It's for you guys. It's so you guys can get it. So, Zach, this is a very basic question, but I think it's important for everyone to be on the same page as us for this conversation. Shoot. What is consent? You know, it's funny that you say it's a very basic question. There's nothing basic about consent. If there were, I wouldn't have uh, a, I guess, career as a, <laughs> I guess you can call it a career. I wouldn't have a niche in the world as a consent educator. Although there's nothing in my bio about being the world's greatest consent educator. So we're going to have to revamp that. Uh, <laughs> but so what is consent? It, it, you know, it's funny because in my workshop, I can literally look it up and I, show just a clip from um, the dictionary. Webster just defines it as agreement to or uh, approval of something that is done or proposed by somebody else. It's pretty basic, 
But if you think about it, it's also very broad. Um, I look at consent as literally the conversation that must happen and actually does happen, whether you do it intentionally or not, before any human interaction takes place. Um, and it is, it's a conversation. It's not just a verb. It's actually a verb and a noun in the dictionary, but it's, it's kind of the process, the thing that is required and that happens whether you intentionally do it or not in every single interaction, every handshake, every hug, every time you agree on a bet, uh, when we made plans to sit here and chat with each other recording this podcast, all of this is consensual interaction and you don't interact one human being with another without it. Um, so yeah, it's literally all around us. So there you go. That's the basic, I guess. Yeah, that that, that is what is it? That that's what people need to know. They need to know that this is consent is happening everywhere in our lives. This is not just a sexual specific thing. Consent mm-hmm. is happening everywhere, all around us, all the time. Right. Yeah. So my other Absolutely. question is about boundaries. So when people talk okay. about consent, a lot of the word boundaries tends to come up a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you know, you're violating my boundaries, so you're not, you're not, you know, it's not a consensual interaction because you're violating boundaries. So what's, what is the relationship between consent and boundaries? Just remember, it's all general. Yeah. We're not diving into nitty gritty yet, everyone. So yeah. you're probably yeah. wondering why, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of keeping it, um, like you say, pretty general. Essentially, the boundary, it, it's one of the conversations you have when discussing consent. A boundary is kind of like a precursor. So, for example, if I say, this is the boundary, this is the line, please don't cross this, you're saying, I'm consenting until that boundary. After that, I am less likely to or probably just absolutely won't. Um, when you go further down the line, if we were to dip over into kink language for a minute, you start using hard limits. Those are absolutely hell no's. That isn't happening. Never, ever, period, don't even fucking ask, right? There's, you know, boundary is like, okay, listen, please don't cross this or don't go to that direction or don't go over there. It's literally, you know, you putting, quartering something off. I don't want to go into that space. If we do, my consent changes. Um, and so the boundary is kind of like uh, in the insurance world, we'd call it an endorsement, something that kind of changes the overall. That's what a boundary is. It's like, okay, I will consent to being with you, doing whatever, da, 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 up to and in, until that point or up to and in, including this particular activity. Or sure, and I'll go on a date with you, hang out and whatnot, but I am not going into the home of a stranger that I don't know that well. Or, you know, you know, can't be out past a certain time, whatever. All those are kind of like uh, boundaries. The, the key, though, is, is to remember that boundaries are self-drawn. So, you know, I have the right to decide what my boundaries are in interacting with someone else. You know, Jen, you have the right to do the same. Sham has the right to do the same. Those are boundaries. When you start setting rules to where other people aren't allowed, that's different. You know, and and that's kind of sort of where you start controlling other people's interactions by saying, you know, okay, you and I are in this relationship. And one of the things we're going to agree on is that that person isn't allowed to do blank. Well, did you ask that person if they wanted to, if they had an interest into it or whatnot, Drawing a boundary for somebody else is different. That's more like, you know, creating a rule or limiting someone else. And I have problems with that because it literally takes away their autonomy and consent is all about autonomy. So, yeah, there we go. I hope that was kind of generalized basic stuff as far as the boundaries and, and the consent goes. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, in, in the world we're talking about here, particularly where we're talking about non-monogamy, um, boundaries are important mm-hmm. because they're how you have the communication you know, you're saying, these are what my boundaries are. And as I say, whenever I'm teaching consent, what's cool about boundaries is if I inform you what my boundaries are, I'm literally telling you how to not violate my consent. 
It's basically, I'm going to draw this line, and as long as you don't cross over that line, we're good. But I give you the information. I let you know what I'm good with, what I'm not good with. You know, you have more information if I've given you boundaries. But again, if you and I are in a relationship and we're up to a certain comfort level and then there's another interaction with somebody else and we decide that we're going to draw boundaries over there, now we're not drawing boundaries. We're basically, you know, quartering somebody off or putting up essentially obstacles in their way. Um, and we're setting rules for other people. And that's a little bit different. You set rules for people that you're trying to govern and one autonomous adult doesn't have the right to govern another one. Um, so that's the issue, the boundaries you draw for yourself and rules you draw for other people, you know, and entities, organizations create rules to govern their memberships. But in relationships, when every human being and every adult is supposed to be autonomous, you don't get to draw rules around someone else's behavior. Uh, by definition, any attempt to control the behavior of somebody else against their will is uh, abuse. By definition, that's what abuse is. Any attempt to control someone else's behavior, and you know, that's when you start giving off things like veto power, and you know, I don't want this person to ever do blank, or you know, that's where it gets kind of hairy. Because at what point does drawing your boundaries start interfering with somebody else's autonomy? And that's the issue. Is our boundaries are drawn by us, but they can't be so far out that they're tripping over other people's boundaries, right? So they have to be drawn by us for us to protect, not to prevent others from doing whatever. I realize this is very general out there, almost philosophical type language, but we're trying not to get too specific until we get into, like you said, nitty gritty. I think we're both processing at the same time. Let's call it. <laughs> I'm sorry that I dropped that much weight on you guys. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I mean, it's a good kind of weight. You know, it's, the, it's, yeah. it's, it's all we asked for. It's all we, it's what we all came here for. Right, right. Well, I mean, and if you think about it, it's funny that we're having this conversation like this, but most people don't think about these things, you know, and, and it's, and, you know, I've been doing this now, this consent educating, oh, geez, this is 2020, a solid four years at this point. And most of the people I talk to have never just sat down and had these conversations about consent. Well, you know, it's one thing with adults, or I mean, you might do it, you know, on an intimate basis with individuals, but have we just sat around philosophically and hypothetically talked about this thing called consent? I mean, we know it's there. We've had the conversations about it. I used to laugh, and I still do laugh, whenever I was trying to hustle to get people to t let me come teach consent. And the response I got was that they knew it, they knew it already. I was like, no, no, I think I got a good grasp on consent. And I'm like, are you sure? And the question is, how would you know that unless you've had that conversation? Yeah. Unless someone has talked to you about consent in a way that's either made you go, huh, or made you, like you guys did, sit there and process, <laughs> or made your head explode. You know, if that hasn't happened, how well can you really know something, you know, um, and it's, it's, yeah, and plus, it also depends on who you're talking to, and if I can just get ugly for a minute here, there are certain folks who have just had a lifetime of getting away with things, um, and just because you've never gotten in trouble for something doesn't mean you've never violated consent, so <laughs> it's one of those situations, yeah. like, I haven't any problems so far, and I was like, okay, you've either never been caught, or you've found a way to intimidate somebody, or you're one of those people that walks through life as though the world was designed for you, because it was. Um, and so, yeah, I can understand you not having an issue with consent ever in life. No one's ever going to call you on the stuff that you do. <laughs> um, well, yeah. at least back then they wouldn't have. You know, Now people are starting to call it out a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a time when you know, some people could just do whatever they wanted, damn consent. Um, and it's, of course, we're seeing a reckoning. It's funny because people talk about the sort of racial reckoning that's going on globally, you know, lately, especially since the spring and summer in the world. And I would say that 
consent-wise because of uh, the current iteration of the Me Too movement and the way things have sort of happened in the news just that previous year, if you think about it, was itself sort of a consent uh, reckoning. And I just happened to be lucky that I was in the beginnings of becoming a consent educator when sort of the yeah. started to blow up. And, you know, that's how I end up talking to wonderful folks like yourselves. So, yeah, yeah. no, it's definitely true. There, there, there is a, a big reckoning happening in the world. And I mean, we've, we've, we've seen it. It's oh, from about what, February, I think, pretty much nonstop <laughs> until now. That's where we are. And <laughs> it, it is really is important to have these conversations because, like you said, you don't know about consent you, if you haven't sat down had a conversation about it thought about it really really pondered what these words mean and that's how i gave i asked you to give the broad definitions first mm -hmm. because i want people to have you know an idea of where we're going this and when we drill down further you're <laughs> going to kind of see how this pops up in intimate right. relationships and intimate doesn't necessarily always mean sex okay nope. let's Absolutely. just i just want everyone to know that too when i say intimate i'm not only talking about sex because there are different kinds of intimacy so there, we're there. We're there. We're at that. You know, I'm at that mm -hmm. point now. Okay. Jam, <laughs> do you have any thoughts that you would like to share with us? Uh, nothing, 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 nothing quite as deep as Zach, of course. But I can definitely <laughs> say just worry, uh, I live in a few minutes into this conversation, I can say that I'm, I've never thought of um, sorry, intimacy, uh, consent mm -hmm. in the way we've discussed. It's like, it's something like, like even the, the people you say that, you know, you invite yourself to talk to them and they're like oh i think i got it i've always been like i think i generally have it but then <laughs> just the start of this conversation i was like okay no i don't got it like mm -hmm. i have a portion of it in my head already worked out but then i've never really thought of it this broadly and this widely so it's definitely an important conversation that we should be having yeah and i'm glad that we're having it yeah, I got some more stuff that can blow your mind a little later, but anyway. Ooh, okay. All right. Now, now you're, teaser, you're jumping the gun. You're jumping the gun. Let's, hey, let's keep, teaser, let's keep yeah. slow. Yeah, okay. Let me know that, hey, for impact over here. Hey, I, I'm, I got both caffeine, water, and booze over here, so you know, I'm ready to go. So what, what you got for me? Yeah, I mean, so my next question, of course, mm -hmm. what are the different types of consent you come across, right? Because we've talked a bit about consent in general definition. We talked about boundaries versus rules mm -hmm. and governing people, which is a big no-no. So we've gotten mm -hmm. that. So like, what, what would you say are some types of consent? You know, that's always a fun one because uh, when people start trying to categorize things, I mean, that's what we as human beings like to do. We like to compartmentalize stuff. And I got into a debate one time with some other folks who were talking about consent and a couple other uh, people that were consent educators because I heard someone use the phrase minor consent violation. And what cracks me up about that is what determines something as minor as a consent violation? And, you know, because we can really start jacking with scale when we talk about violating consent. Remember, it's just that basic kind of conversation, that basic sort of agreement that needs to take place between two parties, two, you know, particularly two individuals, but it doesn't have to be two individuals. It could literally be an entire society over another society. It could be, I mean, hell, colonization is itself an entire global non-consensual movement um, that has had long-lasting effects that was uh, implemented on people who did not <laughs> ask for it and certainly didn't agree with it and they didn't have a choice. So it... You know, but is that the same as just, you know, brushing your hand against someone's ass on a subway or something like that? I mean, depends on who you ask. To them, it might be. Um, you don't know who you're triggering. You don't know who you're setting off. So types of consent, I think um, we need to be careful about. There are different sort of ways of looking at it. Um, number one, 
I would say that if you're in interactions with people that you know well, let's say you know it's a partner, it's a friend, or something like that, it could be something as simple as it's a friend of yours and you're hugging or some, something like that. That's one sort of way. It's kind of like a friendly, almost you know, um, it's not. If I do something that violates consent in a sense, you know, sit in the wrong place, you know, touch someone accidentally or, or something like that, you know, we kind of know each other. Maybe we can kind of talk it through. You know, it's different than when somebody who's a complete stranger um, finds some way to violate uh, consent. And again, we don't have to be talking about sex. It could be anything. A comment on somebody's photo on social media. I've seen a lot of that happening now, particularly nowadays in the COVID world where so much of our lives are literally, you know, um, via distance and virtual, um, where we're not actually having in-person interactions as much, but violations still happen all the time. They used to happen all the time in social media. People do it all forever, all over the place when they start, you know, commenting on things, um, uh, rather people, you know, show up in places they don't belong. I was uh, surprised. I read an article the other day um, sent to us by the university I'm in where um, they're talking about Zoom bombing can actually be is actually a federal offense in the U.S. Um, I wasn't aware of that. But if you think about it, you know, it basically what it is and the way they define it is people that just show up in a place, find a way to sneak into a Zoom atmosphere that they weren't invited into for the sole purpose of just causing a disruption. Basically just to piss people off, you know, people that literally show up in your Zoom room because they want to see the world burn and they got nothing better to do. Well, that's a freaking federal, you know, offense if you can catch them. Right. But that itself, if you think about it, is a violation. It is. An, and it's absolutely a consent violation. So there's different ways to look at it. It can be from afar. It can be up close. It can be virtual. It can be in person. It can be physical. It can be emotional. It can just be you violated my consent and you don't know how because you tripped over a boundary that you weren't aware of. Um, and the, the reality, you know, is and I've had people ask this, well, you know, I can't be responsible for boundaries I'm not aware of. It's like, well, yes and no. You know, you're still the one that did it. And whether you are responsible or not doesn't mean the person who's been violated isn't experiencing that violation. Um, you know, it's the same thing with triggers. If you've ever um, been triggered by something or talked to somebody who's been triggered by something and or someone and, you know, you don't have to know what the trigger was to be responsible for the fact that you set somebody off. And that can be difficult to deal with because we get this habit of wanting to assign blame. And the, and the truth of the matter is blame almost doesn't matter once there's a violation that's taken place and the person who determines that is the one who would either give or not give the consent nobody else you know um you don't have the right to declare what's well, not that big a deal because you didn't tell me or i couldn't have violated you that's if if i decided that my consent is violated period end of story now it doesn't hold up necessarily in court but that's different the law is trying to be sans feeling or, or passion and whereas human interactions are not so there's a bunch of different, I mean, it literally, it is literally involved in every single human interaction. So if you think about it, from every conversation you have with an adult, with a child, with another person, with, um, I don't know, uh, if I have an interactions with people that deliver my groceries now and things like that, you'd be surprised the way that we can interact with folks and for the different types of human interactions there are, every single one of them has a different type of possible consent or consent violation. So it's... Um, trying to just categorize it into just these things to remember it's easier to remember literally everything you do there's a modicum of consent involved in it unless it's just you by yourself everything has some sort of consent component to it oh yep see just so you guys know there there are no real types of consent this is this is where we're at everything is consent related <laughs> once you're interacting with everyone else it's yeah. consent related that's it well, because does the type matter i mean seriously 
you know, if it's a type of consent, and again, I know our brains are, I mean, we are psychologically driven, designed to try to find ways to assess things and split them up so that we can better digest them. The problem is with consent, does it matter? If there's a consent violation, does the type, does the category really matter? You know, it may speak to the actual thing that went down, but what matters more is something that's less concrete and it's, you know, the feelings, you know, how does this affect the interaction between these two people? Does it affect a relationship if they have one? You know, are they friends? Will it stop them from being friends? Were they probably going to become romantic, but this just messed that up? You know, is it a husband and wife and there's going to be a serious argument later? So there's so much more that goes into, you know, but the type of actual consent or consent violation, what difference does it make? You know, it's, we're talking about human interactions and human beings are complex. And if, if nothing else we have learned from science is it's very, very hard to categorize everyone into, you know, some sort of, I mean, you can put folks in certain ways if you try, but ultimately humanity is way too complex for that. So, and so are our interactions. Yeah, no, that that's so right. I mean, and I think it's because we're taught to frame it a certain way, yeah. especially from we were children, right? We are, our consent is continuously violated as children. And I, I can say yeah. that right away. Because I remember being a kid, being forced to hug people I didn't want to hug, being forced to kiss aunties and do all this stuff and be around people I had zero interest in being around. And mm. we're not taught that we have ownership over our own bodies, over our own minds, over anything. Right. And so mm. it, it is difficult as we get older to break out of those patterns, I will say, yeah. of having our consent validated and then in turn violating other people's consent because we're just taught that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so. almost set up to fail, right? I mean, because, you know, you're born, um, you know, and through every childhood, whoever, whatever adults are responsible for your, you know, rearing and, and keeping and taking care of you and whatnot, um, they set rules. That's the first thing. They set rules that govern what you're allowed to do, but they're supposed to because supposedly they're trying to keep you safe. And we all know that relationship gets violated all the time. Um, and so you're going to go through life growing up as best you can, hook, crook, or bullet, and all of a sudden you reach a certain point, congratulations, you're an adult, go do adult things. And, you know, suddenly you get to decide what the rules are, and you get to decide what your boundaries are. People aren't drawing them for you. And, you know, there could be some argument to say, well, yeah, you know, you start to get a little bit more independent as you get older and whatnot in school. But, I mean, think about it, you know, especially those of us in America, your life is pretty much, especially if you went to any sort of school other than just being schooled at home, your life is pretty much regulated and whatnot until congratulations you've graduated high school you're 18 years old you can go vote die you know wait three more years before you can drink but maybe we'll let you you know smoke tobacco if you really have to and stuff like that and you certainly can be tried in as an adult for a crime so it's just congratulations you are no longer this person who has no right to make any decisions now you get to make them all don't th fuck them up oh by the way sorry about the fact that your you know prefrontal cortex won't be fully developed for another three to five years but that's a different story. <laughs> you know, good luck. We're going to throw you out in the world that, you know, we have terrified you about your entire young life. But, uh, you know, you can handle it. You'll be okay. Yes and no, <laughs> right? I, I was mean, not it, okay. I'm 30 and I'm still, a, I'm still a children, right. okay? You know, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, there's little things I, you know, I live by myself in my own little cave. And it's like, you know, is it okay to walk around the house without, you know what? Yeah, I can do it. I, this is my damn house. Shit. Yeah. I pay the bills in this house, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, you have to remind yourself, you know, I'm the one that these lights are on because I paid for them. So I can do what the hell, if I want to turn every light in this house on, I will. It's going to feel weird because I've been terrified about it my whole life. But if I choose to, I can. Right? 
And so, yeah, when mm-hmm. you developing an identity as an adult, you know, it, the, the problem with it is, is you have to go through childhood to do it and it sucks. <laughs> right. So and that's the same thing when it comes to autonomy and consent. You know, we it's I talk about it in my consent workshop. You know, we are in a world full of people that are terrified of saying no. You know, like you said, you weren't allowed to not kiss aunties and whatnot. And that's one of the things that happens to children a lot. And I will say up to a point, at a certain point, the people who are responsible for the safety of children, there's only so much reasoning you can do with a child on their own behalf. You know, if a four-year-old is playing out in the street and the truck is coming, you don't try to talk him into, for his own good, getting out of the street. You go snatch Junior by the collar and then pull him to safety. And hopefully you then explain to him why it was necessary to violate his autonomy. But if you're trying to be the type of parent that's raising children with autonomy, there's only so much you can give them because you still have to be the one in charge of keeping them safe. And at a certain point, depending on where you are, the, you know, there are laws in place that make you responsible for their behavior. You know, but all of a sudden that stops at its one point. And, you know, who in the hell is ready for that? And I mean, there are some that are and there are some that aren't. My mother likes to joke that I was 30 when I was born. I was always mature, apparently. Of course, now I'm going through periods of immaturity because I didn't have any as a kid. Um, but, sense. you know, I mean, it's just making up for so, last time. Exactly. But, you know, as far as making adult decisions and, you know, decisions about one's own autonomy and safety and whatnot, um, it's funny you mentioned the thing about kissing aunties you didn't want to kiss. One of the things I point out is people don't realize that is a significant vector of transmission of HSV-1. People don't realize that. But, you know, when children are forced to kiss their scary auntie that might have a cold sore or whatnot, you know, HSV-1 is very communicable. It's very, very common. And it's literally through contact. And that's one of the ways it ends up happening. And so I always tell people, listen, ask the kid if they want a hug. I got a niece and six nephews and I'll see them and say, Hey, you want to give uncle Zach a hug? And it's up to them. Nobody forces them to, and I'm not going to chastise them if they don't feel like it. Now they all know me and they come hug uncle Zach and that's cool. I mean, you know, I don't have a problem with that, but you know, people do that with children where it's just, they're, they're more busy in making them be polite than understanding that by not allowing them to not do something that makes them uncomfortable, you're raising them to be adults who are terrified to set boundaries uh, because they don't want to hurt the people's feelings. And so, you know, how many of us have seen folks in one you know, situation or another who have a boundary or there's something they're uncomfortable about, but they don't want to speak up about it because they don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. And um, I, as a consent educator, mm. person that cares about people, have seen that a lot. And I'll be the first one to tell someone, listen, I don't give a shit. I'll hurt somebody's feelings in a heartbeat because that's just the type of person I am. I'm kind of straightforward. And if something that you're about to do is going to make me uncomfortable or it's approaching a boundary, I have no problem speaking out about it. Now, I had to get there because I was like everybody else, you know, pretty shy and introverted. And I still am in some ways. But I didn't. I learned much later that it's okay to advocate for that boundary that I'm setting and that if you don't like it, that's your damn problem. But I have the right to not be touched regardless, you know, and that's sometimes hard to do in a society, you know, well, especially now, I mean, nobody's really doing any touching now, but I can imagine if we ever get to a point where we'll all be able to look back at that, you know, 2020 and laugh at this situation where there are some people that are literally in their homes cooped up dying to go out and hug everything they see on two legs. And I'll be the one walking around trying to hold them at bay with a spray bottle. Like, hey, back up. If I know you, maybe we can hug, but stay off me. Man. I don't want to be touched. Um, and But that's a consent thing. You know, people just don't get it. And people get their feelings hurt when you set those boundaries. But you're setting the boundary. You're not telling them what they're allowed to do. You can hug whoever you want, just not me. Right? I'm not telling you don't hug people. I'm telling you don't hug me. <laughs> and, yeah, and facts, that's facts. Literally kind of putting that out there. So, yeah. 
it's funny because you're talking about my whole life, all of this whole boundary <laughs> issues. Like you're saying all the words and I'm kind of like, wow. Zach is like yeah. attacking me over this podcast recording. Like he's literally just like attacking me. And I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I mean, if, if put it like this, I'm not attacking you. I'm just sort of attacking the truth because you're not the only one. I was like that too. You know, and, you know, I had some scary aunties and, and some cousins I'd, you know, never seen before. And that's why I hated going to family reunions. Like, I don't even like these people. Shit. You know, what but is the it, point of a family reunion? Okay. To be around people that uh, you don't like. I don't get it. Food, a t-shirt. And um, usually, like, if it's like anything like my family reunions, they have different chapters all over the country. And all they do is try to one-up each other each year. So, you know, one year we're going to this resort. Next year we're going to that resort. Next year we're going to cross the border to Canada and go to a casino. It's like, who cares? Just, it's, you know, y'all the same people we saw two years ago. Ain't nothing changed except for so-and-so got taller, so-and-so got pregnant, and so-and-so got divorced. Well, I mean, couldn't we have done that over the phone? And it's kind of like I do at work. I mean, can't we do all this by email? <laughs> you know? Yeah, just send me an email, bro. That's it. That's yeah. it. Zoom for this. So, yeah, anyway. But uh, that was a derailment. But go ahead. <laughs> it's all relevant. It's all relevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Mm. So it's funny why I got your brains fried. We're sitting there talking about the framework for looking at these things. One of the things that I like to point out whenever I'm teaching consent, because it's unique that I've learned among consent educators, because everyone's got a reason why they do it, uh, of the consent educators I've talked to. Mine is different, though. I started focusing on consent um, one, to protect myself because I'm somebody who's had my consent violated, but two, to protect myself in the world that I grew up in. And the way I explain it is like this. As you all know, I live in, uh, in Texas, in Houston, Texas. My family's been here since the uh, early 80s when my dad got transferred here. He was in the military. Um, so you have to picture Tex Texas and Houston was a little bit different back then. This young family, I mean, I got two brothers. Uh, my youngest brother, was he was still in diapers when we moved here, dropped off into a suburb uh, of Houston, Texas, in the beginning of the Reagan administration. We were oftentimes the only black family anywhere. Um, I was oftentimes one of the only black whatever I am on the team, um, in the school, at the church, whatever. And my parents were baby boomers who would have been raised during the height of the civil rights era, Jim Crow era, and things like that. So names like Emmett Till would have been very, very fresh in their minds. And here they are raising three black boys in Texas, far away from any other family other than them. Um, and their response to that was to be very, very cautious, uh, to be terrified for us ever being alone. I never went to a football practice or soccer practice, never, never went to one alone. And certainly oftentimes most, both of my parents were there. Um, so, but they raised us in a way to be careful about the people we were interacting with, who were you talking to, whose house were you going to, because misunderstandings got young black people in the South killed, right? And that was the way... I was, and I mean, we had a healthy fear of that. I was talking to my older brother about this about a year ago. He was saying, yeah, you know, the, there's ways that I'm still terrified. I mean, he's got a son himself now who's currently a senior in high school. I mean, he's, he's a good kid, but you know, all it takes is the wrong person to say the wrong shit about that 17 year old black kid. And, you know, we're suddenly our family's on the news. Um, so for me, being careful about the way I have my interactions with people, making sure they're consensual and making sure there are not misunderstandings was a way of uber cya i was covering my black ass as best i could because you are not going to have me interacting with somebody who you know everything is fine and the next day they decided they didn't really want to do that or whatnot and suddenly it's my fault not going down that road so i was and it almost has led me to be maybe overly cautious in certain interactions now but i would rather that 
you know, to be sure and to be careful. And that's kind of the way I, I go about it. Um, and so it's funny as I'm teaching my principles to other people, I can tell based on the folks I'm talking to how they're going to land. Some folks are like, man, that just seems like a lot of work. And some people are like, no, yeah, you know, I, I get it because I'll be damn, I'm going to do, you know, whatever with somebody. And the next morning they wake up and, you know, don't want it to be known that they had agreed to do this the night before. Which is why I'm funny about people who I'm around when they're intoxicated, when they're drinking or anything like that. I've seen way too many things go left and south very, very quickly, all because people weren't clear about their intentions ahead of time. And I'm just one of those people that's a lot more blunt and straightforward. Um, it, you know, means some things are a little bit more challenging, but it also is important uh, for people who don't have, let's just call it the benefit of the doubt. I keep dancing around the same topic, but you guys know what I mean. <laughs> By now, y'all know what I'm going to I, I think we, the three of us <laughs> are of a similar sort of background. And yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a you, right? Yeah. yeah there's yeah, a certain, just, there's a certain yeah. shade happening. And so we all understand <laughs> what we're referring to. And yeah, everyone yeah. listening to us who is of a similar shade will also understand yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, it, we all know, because we have heard our history, we've all heard the horror stories. How many people do we know have had lives ruined because, oh, shit, we made, you know, there was a misunderstanding, we made the wrong mistake, or somebody just decided to lie the next morning or the next day or something like that. You know, you got to be careful who you're interacting with. And, you know, it leads to some caution. And it, it's, you know, I call it caution. You know, my parents, I can't imagine raising, again, three young black boys. <laughs> This is at the beginning of the Reagan era, you know, in 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 Texas, and it, you know, where I live now. I mean, this is my hometown. I mean, it's it could be a lot worse. There are certain areas to this day. I'm in my 40s, and hell, when I go out of my house, sometimes I carry a gun. I won't go to at night, you know, because and it's not because they're bad neighborhoods. It's because these white folks are crazy. You know, you just got to be careful. They are. And it's and so my parents raising us in that. Um, I still don't know how my mom did it. You know, I mean, it's it, it's one of the reasons I admire her so much. You know, these are strong people. You got to be brave to raise children in any environment. That one, let alone the one we're in today. So, um, so for me, one way to keep myself safe, and I mean, I joke about this, but it's actually true. Again, I live by myself here in Texas. Unless I'm interacting with people or someone is with me, I never have an alibi. So I'm very cautious. I'm at the point now when I go out jogging, I you know I message my partners and shit. But that's, you know, the reality we live in and being careful and cautious about my consent and intentional about it. And every time I'm having an interaction, it's because I've seen people get lied on. Uh, you know, I've seen it happen where, you know, two people look at the exact same thing and there's two different stories and they tend to follow a certain pattern. <laughs> um, and they sure do stuff. Yeah. You know, so you just got to be careful with that stuff. <clears throat> Sham, can you relate? I mean, I am not a little black boy, so I really can't speak to that. I, I can speak to the color of my skin being threatening to other people in a, yeah. different ways and having to navigate that. But since I am not a man and I, I don't present as male and I don't consider myself to be a man, that means that I am missing a different component of the conversation that you might acknowledge or be a part of. It's weird because I'm missing a part of the conversation, which is I haven't spent a lot of time in, you know, other cultures. You know, I'm mostly here in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and every time I've spent, like, America, around, like, I haven't seen a lot of this up close. 
to like feel the pressure. It's like I feel it now, now that I'm an adult, because I spent most of the time I spent in America I was like a child. But now that I've seen the wrong side of it, because as a child I had, I had more than really paying attention. So I was ignorance was very much bliss. I, I could have been getting microaggressions and all sort of stuff I didn't even know about. Yeah. But like right. now that I see where it can go, it's like if I ever return, because who knows these days of Corona. <laughs> but if I ever <laughs> return to a uh, uh, a, sim- a situation like that where I have to worry about, you know, those interactions, uh, it would definitely be, I definitely feel like that pressure, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, I said I wanted to ask because like I said, I, I know what it's like for me and I get it less in a way because I don't appear as threatening and also because I don't leave the house. So there's that. There, there's yeah, that. that helps. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> that helps a lot. Well, I would say, Jen, um, as a queer woman, you're threatening to quite a few people, and you're threatening enough. Yeah. I mean, let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's funny. I I can bring up a joke for you. Well, you guys know about being gen sexual. You know, we had intimacy on here. Intimacy is a gen sexual. So happy for that. Um, but <laughs> there is also the the this it's it's a joke, but it's also not really a joke where there are. Some, you know, cis het men who believe that I am really out here like stealing girlfriends and they, they can't let their girlfriends speak to me because I will steal them. Now, guys, I don't steal. If if I happen to date your girlfriend at the same time as you, it's not stealing because it means that she came willingly. So let's just clarify that point real quick. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, and they make jokes and they make these little comments and they say these things. And sometimes you, you kind of can't tell how seriously they're having this conversation. Like, are they having this conversation with themselves, trying to mm-hmm. trying to psych themselves up? Are they what, what exactly are they doing here? Um, and this is, you know, this is a tangent, obviously, of course, based yeah. on, you know, consent and stuff. I, all I'm saying is that I will not, I will not take anyone who does not want to be taken. So... <laughs> if anyone is interested in me, then I assume that we were all on the same page, right? Yeah, so yeah. if we're all on the same page, then I don't understand the issue. So there we go. I mean, to keep it on topic. Nothing has happened that, you know, they didn't consent to. So it can't be stealing if consent right. is given. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, it's if, you know, I've got a girlfriend and... and Jen wants to spend time with her. One, I don't own my girlfriend. She's got a right to do what she wants to do. So it's not my consent that's being violated. I mean, it may be your feelings, but like I told you earlier, I don't mind hurting people's feelings. Now, I don't do it on purpose unless there's a good reason. But, you know, I mean, that's, you know, one of the, you know, it's not this, you know, I, I but I have an, a major issue with treating people that I care about and I'm in a relationship with as possessions. I just, I can't do that. That's, um, I get mad around the language. Last time I was talking to somebody and they were telling me, well, I don't share. And I was like, I mean, what are we talking about here? You know, playing cards or, you know, I'm not taking your Pokemon or whatever the hell. I mean, what is it, you know, we're talking about? So yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I stay away from stuff like that. So anyway, Moving on. Yes, Not yes. Uh, too much. Mo- moving on some more. See, this is what happens. <laughs> Every time Zach comes on here, we get distracted. <laughs> we start having these great conversations. And then we're like, shit, it's been two hours. Wait, did we even answer the question that we asked the first time? We did, though. We did. I checked. I checked to make sure. So my next question is, since we've agreed that, you know, consent is everywhere and that it doesn't matter how you classify it as long as it's being followed and not violated, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Let's talk about 
who can consent in certain situations. So I, I bring this up because I don't know if anyone in the world has seen this. We talked about this on my Twitter feed a bit. Um, there is a trailer for this new FX miniseries, whatever, called A Teacher. I think it's called A Teacher. It has that redhead Rooney girl, Rooney Mara, Mara Rooney. I can't remember her name right now. And this white dude who looks the same as other white dudes in TV. Um, Love Simon. That's the dude. It's Love Simon. The dude from Love Simon. That guy whose name I can never remember. I'm sorry, actors and actresses. Don't hate me. I'm bad at names. So let's just <laughs> let's just put that out there now. Um, and so we'll put the trailer in the show notes. But I was talking to Zach and Chem about it earlier. It seems that Mara Rooney Mara, whatever her name is, Redhead, is a teacher and she's having an affair with her student who is in high school. She's a high school teacher. He's a high school student. And of course, people find out things get drastic. The party get drastic. You know, there are arrests made. There's ostracization all sorts of stuff happening. And people were talking about age gaps. And we mentioned the whole Brad Pitt you know, Brad Pitt's girlfriend and maybe husband situation last time. So mm -hmm. this is a situation where from the outside, we can say, uh, is this like, can, can a child really consent to having a relationship with their teacher because of the power dynamic, because of the age difference? I mean, it's not as if she's 20 and he's, you right. know, 18. This is a, you know, she's in her 30s, I believe, based on the trailer, and he is probably 17. Because why, why make a movie about it otherwise, right? It's probably like 16 <clears> or 17. So, yeah. <laughs> it, so who can consent? Like, who can consent in these situations? Um, it, so, it, I'll put it to you like this, and um, I'm going to try and draw an analogy here. If you know anything about contracts and legal contracts, a couple of components are required to enter into a contract. Uh, the first one is for it to be a considered a legal contract. So it's got to be for a legal purpose. You can't sign a contract to do something illegal. All right. S secondly, uh, they're supposed to be what they call a meeting of the minds. And essentially what that means is the two parties entering into the contract are essentially equal. One doesn't have power over the other. One isn't more uh, aware or capable than the other, for example. Um, you can't have somebody who um, is suffering from some diminished capacity enter into a contract with somebody who is not. By definition, that's not a meeting of the minds. The minds are way off. Somebody is basically way too easy to take uh, advantage of that situation. So who can consent? The people consenting to whatever it is, the consent as it takes place, and the negotiation needs to happen between two people that have the same capacity, all right? The challenge with, for example, a teenager, 16, 17-year-old, whatever, and their adult teacher, one, there's a definition, there's a power dynamic. So instantly, it, can, it could be a coercive uh, situation for no other reason than the fact that the power dynamic exists. And that's not to say that somebody is necessarily being predatory. It's just that it's way too easy to become one. And how do you separate the two? How do you separate those interactions where this person has a power dynamic, they are the person in power, and they are being predatory versus someone who isn't and whatnot? There's no way to separate them. So it's just best to completely keep those separate. Um, back in the days when we all used to go to conferences, um, you know, I'd been to a couple of them. One of the things I realized, and I've seen a couple examples of this going bad, 
is that when someone comes to a conference and they're attending as a speaker, whether it's, you know, one of the presenters or a speaker, heaven forbid you're a keynote or something like that and your name's in the program, there's an instant perceived power dynamic where you have to be careful as the educator, if I'm talking about myself or the presenter, where I'm going, if I'm going and I'm presenting this particular topic or if I'm one of the, you know, the keynotes or a part of the keynote or something, I have to be aware of the fact that, you know, folks paid to come to this conference, I got to go for free and my name's in the program. There's a certain power dynamic that, wow, this is the dude who said that. And, and he, plus they put you up in the front of the room and they, they announce you. I mean, like you just did, they're the greatest consent educator in the world. It, you kind of imbue this person who is still a human being with these sort of powers or forces they may or may not have. And instantly they're, they put everyone else on a different playing field. It then becomes almost difficult or you need to be very, very careful interacting with people afterwards. I mean, on the one hand, yes, you want to interact because that's part of the the thing that people pay for when they come to the conference experience is to interact with these educators, have these conversations and stuff. Two, yeah, can we get into other interactions and things? Yeah, we're all adults, but I have to be very, very careful that someone is interacting with me because they just want to get to know me a person as Zach, or is it you're that dude that taught all that consent stuff, you're fascinating, and then you basically realize that are they coming at me because of the presenter, sort of what they think I am, this model, or because I'm a human being? And if I if I perceive that they're going after the human being, I have to realize that, that – or not going for the human being. I have to realize that this Superman they've created has a power over them that, one, I should not have ever, trust me, uh, and that I have to be careful with. And so normally um, I, I'm very careful about that. I, and I've met people at conferences, and I've met uh, – one of my partners makes fun of me. She says every time I go to a conference, I bring her another meta. But um, you know, I, I, I had met people at conferences and, and started relationships, but I have to be careful doing that. Because you don't want to be in that position. So who can consent? They really need to be on equal footing. Um, and how does that get determined from the outside looking? And it's kind of hard. Age difference is a funny thing. Because you can do that you know, whole thing where, okay, if somebody is 25 and they're dating you know, someone who's 15, they're 10 years younger than them. That seems a little weird. But, okay, fast forward. Now they're 35 and they're dating someone 25. Is that as big a deal? You know, and – you know, fast forward another 10, 45 and 35, who cares once you get past 30, right? I mean, seriously. I, I mean, so it it's kind of hard to perceive that. And so, but now you can't make that argument going backwards. Well, okay, if it's not that big a deal, if they're, you know, 15 years apart when they're older, what's the difference if, you know, he's 15 and she's 30? There's a big difference. And I think we can all agree on that. You know, whether or not it would matter 20 years from now has no bearing on the fact that it does matter now. Um, and there's there's a lot of happens between 15 and 30 <laughs> that um, obviously puts these two people not on the level playing field. So you can't say that they're having a meeting of the minds. And so I think you got to be careful with who's negotiating, who's in that. So, I mean, anyone can give consent to their own autonomy, but you can't necessarily give consent to somebody that um, is at a level where it's way too easy to manipulate, to uh, realize that that power is there. And I just think they really should try and separate them as much as possible. So. Uh, one thing you had said when you had just started, I oh. mean, a lot of places, but you had mentioned uh, diminished capacity when mm -hmm. you're talking about, I think it was about the contracts. Yeah. Uh, could you, I guess, give a better, or a, not, a bit, not a better, but like a, a more detailed explanation of what's, yeah. what that so, means? Yeah. So, diminished capacity, basically, capacity is, you know, you, you are have your faculties, your mind, you are completely there, you are of sound mind or anything else. Um, it's sort of a legal construct that you cannot agree to something that's binding 
if you don't have all your faculties, if you have been shown, you know, and proven to be suffering from some form of dementia, if you are under the influence of something, um, you know, or if, you know, and you could be under the influence of something that you didn't even take and not know it. Um, you could be um, somebody else could have drugged you. You know, if you have been roofied, you can't agree or consent to anything. Um, and whatever happens by definition is uh, coercion. Whether or not you said no doesn't matter. Someone has literally taken away your ability to say no and have that no be respected by drugging you up. You know, hello, Bill Cosby. That's literally what was happening. So diminished capacity is, does someone have all their faculties there? Are they completely aware of what's going on? Are they able to communicate and negotiate and sort of stand up for their own self? In other words, you can almost look at it like this. Do you have the capacity to draw your boundaries in a way that makes you safe outside of influence from somebody else? Right, let alone influence with the person you're negotiating with, because they don't get to decide where you put your boundaries. If they do, then by definition, they're sort of influencing you. Um, people that have to get high before doing something, I would have an issue with that. I will negotiate with somebody, and it's not that I get mad at people necessarily getting high, but let's negotiate sober because if I don't know you that well, I don't know how much of your inhibitions are gone or how much you are willing to consent to things you know, when you are stoned that you wouldn't consent to when you're sober. Um, that's another problem I have. Again, you know, misconceptions, misunderstandings. Think of the situation I could be in if I'm a young black kid on a you know high school football team out hanging out with a bunch of girls. One of them is high and has been drinking half of a bottle of Jack Daniels and has only eaten a donut that day. I don't know where her ability to say no to things that she should be saying no to is. If we get into some sort of interaction and the next morning suddenly she's sober and no longer high and says, wait, I didn't agree to that. Well, Casey, okay, I would be careful in that situation. I'm not interacting with somebody who's drunk because I don't want that situation to end up happening. So her capacity is diminished, even if she's the one that diminished it, not the point, doesn't matter. Um, if you're not able to actually consent because all of your faculties are there, I don't think you should try and engage in negotiations. And it's up to the person that's involved. you know. And you have that right, if you're having any sort of consent conversation with somebody to say, you know what, I can't trust that you are totally there and I have the right to opt out. So. Yeah. So in the conversation we're having with the whole age gap thing, uh -huh. I guess I'll be more a question of if they have the capacity, capacity to begin with. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. If it's diminished. Like, is the you could almost, there? Yeah. You could almost argue that the youth is a diminished capacity. Only because comparatively, for example, we're, we're just talking about a brain that hasn't quite fully developed. So somebody who's a 16 or 17 year old high school girl finds herself a sugar daddy who's, you know, 53 and drives a Ferrari. There's a diminished capacity there. I mean, she may be very mature. She may be smart. I don't care if she's valedictorian and on the way to a full ride to Harvard. She's 16. There's inhibitions that aren't there. There's a prefrontal cortex that hasn't completely developed. There's all these things um, that make her mentally not on the same playing field as dude with the Ferrari. And so I'm not saying that her capacity is diminished by meaning that somehow she's been harmed. It's just that she hasn't gotten to that maturity level yet. And yeah, it is kind of hard because every individual is different. Some people are very intelligent and fully mature and are very manipulative of adults by the time they're 13. You know, I've seen six-year-olds that were damn near world-dominating ringleaders and whatnot. And I've met people in their 40s who are blithering idiots that are unable to make any sort of adult decision whatsoever. Um, you know, and, and but, but the the fact is, as we grow and, and develop, we have 
uh, a capacity that kind of comes to where we are mature, we're adults. Now, legally, most of that kind of cuts off at around 18, 21, depending on where you are. Um, but we know that the brain continues developing uh, and the sense and the ability to make you know, decisions and complex decisions, the executive functioning, you know, will develop and whatnot past a certain age. Uh, and I would say somebody age 15, you just you're not on the same level playing field in a mental we can agree to complex things capacity um uh that um around you know somebody who's that much older than we are so yeah that's uh i hope that kind of answers the question a little bit yeah that that, that definitely covers it yeah uh, it, it definitely yeah. covered it <laughs> um but yeah with 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 these age gaps. I mean, we see it with uh, Mary Kay Letourneau, right? She's the most famous teacher yeah. screwing a student out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're divorced now. Thank God. That poor that poor child. Like, I think he was what? He was in sixth grade, I believe. He was, what, 12 or 13 years old. Yeah, he when was young. Yeah. He was very young. Um, and so, of course, we see that. That was a clear, clear, clear case of, you know, predatory behavior clear case of that um but there there is an argument that some people make you know and this is also when you brought up you know the different age gaps and the times in which they occur is also important because people are like well you know um they're they're 17 they know what's going on they they know what it is they they they, they know exactly what the world is like at that point because they're about to graduate high school they haven't you like we said once you get mm-hmm. to 18 you're kicked out of the nest you know and you're doing your thing and so what the closer you get to that there is this idea that you are again fully 100 percent aware of how the world works and what's going on and we actually also see it in college relationships with people who date professors right mm-hmm. there is there is a power dynamic there is a, there is a gap there as well yeah even though they are adults even though mm-hmm. there is that whole point to it there there is still like i said and this also ties into how consent looks from the outside Right. So for me, as someone seeing that sort of relationship and I'm going to bring up something silly, but it's relevant. So here we go. So I'm I'm rewatching private practice from season one to season six. So there's no Grey's Anatomy right now. So here's what I'm doing. And so in season (laughs) six, there is a character who has a daughter who is in college. And so she had a frat boy boyfriend, didn't work out. She's now dating someone else. And so they happen upon each other at the movies, you know, dad and his girlfriend. She's there with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend turns out to be her professor mm. for one of her courses. And he's like, you know, 50. He was married to someone for like 20 or so years. And now, you know, he's in love with her and she's 19 years old. And mm. the dad has a very, very hard time with this because he's like, yo, this dude is like almost my age. Like, the fuck? This is uncomfortable. And, you know, dude's like, well, I, I've never dated a student before. I love your daughter. You know, I'm, I'm in love with her. And she's mm. like, I'm in love with him, daddy. You don't let me choose between the two of you because I'm going to choose him. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on in this shit? Um, but I, again, she's an adult, right? She's an adult. Yeah, she's in college. She's doing this thing. He is her professor only for one course for one semester. But he is still her professor. And mm-hmm. so there is a, an optics level to it. Even though they're both adults, even though they're probably both consenting to this, he grades her papers. Yeah. That's that's a power dynamic right there, and also, mm-hmm. she's not, she's a baby. Like <laughs> she's a baby. Yeah, I mean, how many of us were really that mature, you know, at at age uh, nineteen? Ninety. So the thing is, and that's one of those things where it kind of becomes a little kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, gray area, because technically she's an adult, because like you said, she's nineteen. Um, at a minimum, it's not illegal. 
but it is unethical for him to be a professor who does have, by definition, a power dynamic, you know, exchange relationship with this person. And in that situation, him being the professional, he's supposed to know, listen, this is not a good idea. You know, now after I'm out of your class and there's no more influence and whatnot, now, will that still be a little weird for him to be dating any kind of student? I mean, maybe. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be careful here because, you know, I'll be 45 in December. I want to be able to be 50 years old and date a 19-year-old. But that's not the point. The key <laughs> is depending on the power dynamic, right? Um, and to be honest with you, I couldn't stand a 19-year-old just depending on, you know, I'm one of those people that I, I have to have a certain amount of maturity around me. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that in jest, but if there's a power dynamic, that's the problem. Whether or not somebody is mature enough, again, we don't know. We can't look at everybody's mental age printed on their foreheads, right? Technically, 19-year-olds is considered an adult, even if they're away from home for the first time, clear across the country to another, you know, uh, part of the, you know, one coast to the other, and suddenly they're dating their 50-something college professor. You know, if it was just a dude they met in a coffee shop who happened to be teaching at the same university, that's different than he grades her papers. That's a different situation. And, you know, it, there is a bit of a dynamic there, and it, it has some concern. You can't say coercion necessarily because how do we judge whether or not they actually are or aren't falling in love? And how do we know if they really do and don't care about each other? And again, like we said earlier, you know, he's in his 50s, she's 90. I mean, there's a darn near 30-year age difference. So back up 10 years, you know, when she's nine, <laughs> right, and he's 40, hold up, right? That's a different animal, right? But, you know, again, a lot happens in those years between age 10 and 20 and between age, you know, 20 and 25. Uh, and certainly by the time you get to 30, right? So it, I think the issue there is I wouldn't necessarily say I would think, yeah, kind of a diminished capacity like we were talking about earlier because she's still not quite there, but she's 19, and there's really nothing to stop that from happening except for his ethics. And I would probably say whatever the ethical code is for faculty at that particular institution. I mean, but then again, I don't know. Um, that kind of depends on the organization that they're involved with and whatnot. Um, Adam, and I'm, I don't have any children, but I can see the dad kind of losing his mind. But ultimately, what are you going to do? She's an adult. Yeah. Right. He's an adult. I mean, because if you think about it, you can almost make the same argument of, you know, a 19 year old kid, you know, goes away to college, comes out as queer or something like that, and then starts dating somebody and parents lose their mind. Well, parents always have an expectation of their child. But by the time they're age 19, the child has the right to do what the fuck they want. You know, it can look weird to you or wrong to you, but it's not illegal. You know, what's what's the harm other than, OK, well, this is one of those things that as a 19 year old, you learn about it in 20 years. You'll either look back and laugh or you'll bury your really old husband, whatever, you know, that it, it, it doesn't matter. So yeah. but ultimately the harm there is more uh, about just being aware. And there is the, the issue, though, of the power dynamic being abused. And that's, I think, the biggest problem in that situation. So in relation to the whole. So we were talking about the the teacher student mm -hmm. dynamic so we can bring it back so i know it was kind of mucky in the whole college situation but back right. to high school sure uh a lot of times when these relationships come up where it's a female teacher and a young boy mm -hmm. in a lot of situations you know like they say if it's a if it's an older man and a young woman the man could be preying on that woman and she may not, the, the girl, I won't say woman, the girl, and she may mm -hmm. not want, like, she may not want it, but she's being convinced by this older man. But when it's a boy, 
they mm-hmm. tend to say, like, the young boy would be happy to be with an older woman. There are this idea that, you know, that young boys are seeking relationships with older women. So this is good for them. I mean, I know it's still not right. But, yeah, right. But uh-huh. to that argument, like, what, what, what would you say to that? Especially because I can say personally, I know a lot of men now, but, mm-hmm. like, I've told stories of, like, oh, yeah, when they were younger, you know, there was, like, an older girl that came to them and took their virginity when they were, like, 15 or 12 sometimes. I was like, mm-hmm. and they're happy, they're proud. But then I'm just there listening to this. And I was yeah. like, but you were a child, and this is a grown-ass woman. This yeah. should have not happened. This, there's, but you can't explain that to them because in their mind, this is what they're supposed to be doing, and this is what's yeah. right. So I don't know how. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so that type of topic is uh, it's interesting. It's one of those situations uh, that where I'm fond of pointing out that toxic masculinity hurts males too, um, because that literally the whole thing about that. You know, again, we were talking about what was it a the Laterno? You know, I mean, he was young. He, the kid was what 12, 13 when they supposedly fell in love and whatnot. And you may think, you know, younger kid, older woman, you know, yay, high five, whatever. It's a bunch of crap. He's still being preyed on. It's just because we have a horribly patriarchal, you know, society that tends to look at, you know, sex for males, no matter how young they are, to be conquest, no matter what it is, and you know, sex for females um, to be either um, wrong, something they're just enduring or whatnot. It, it, it's this idea of kind of put upon that autonomy. But in that situation, the way I learned it best was from a, um, actually a cop, uh, Houston police officer, is a, a beautiful uh, uh, and smart, smart uh, woman who was actually a sergeant. She was a, a black woman uh, cop, and she works in a, um, essentially sex crimes for kids. And one thing she said is, like, under a certain age, they don't treat the genders of children differently, you know, which is probably a very, very good thing because if a teacher aged 32 is preying on a student age 16 what difference does it make if that student is male or female and if that teacher is male or female you know um truthfully not much there's that toxic masculinity saying well okay it's not as quote-unquote harmful and i call bs on that that's the toxic sort of masculinity thing because i mean look at it you know in a sort of more modern light how do we know that kid you know that young boy that 16-year-old, you know, male isn't queer. You know, if he is actually gay and he's being preyed upon by a, an older woman who sees something in him that, you know, to her looks like sensitivity or whatnot, and in what she's preying on something for whatever reason because of some, you know, issues and things. But he's a 16-year-old boy with a diminished capacity, you know, and maybe his outlet to hide away, you know, his own internalized homophobia could be saying, okay, go ahead and be sexually active with an older woman. There's no way anybody can doubt your sexuality at that point. You know, we don't know. Uh, the reality is he has the right to develop into an adult without the influence of somebody literally twice his age at the time, you know, working out whatever issues they've got on him. So I, as a consent educator, I'm fond of saying if you can reverse the genders and it's a problem, then the opposite should be true. Um, because I, you see that happening all the time. I mean, one of the things that got me into consent educating was I listened to a woman one time describe how she sexually assaulted her boyfriend and thought it was funny. And the whole point to that was, and the reason why I was pissed about it is I was like, if you literally reverse the roles, that person goes to jail. But it's funny when it's a woman doing this to a male. These are two people who are actually of the same age. But when you've got a major age difference, you're talking about an adult preying upon a child 
period in the story, the genders almost go out the window. All that other stuff is just smoke-filled toxic masculinity that is literally harming both male and female in this case. And, um, and it's one of the sort of overarching theories I look at with all of my sex-positive teaching. It's that uh, there's so much damage done to our entire society, male and female, uh, definitely female more, but male and female behind toxic masculinity and uh, oppressive patriarchy. So um, I would just kind of say that when you've got children of a certain age or youth, um, the gender doesn't matter. I mean, if you can take it out of it, then that's the way you look at it. I think in a lot of newspapers will not print the name of a minor without their parents' permission or something. They'll just say student at this school or that age, and at that point it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I would tell people if they see themselves reacting differently because of where the genders are, there's something they need to interrogate because that's a problem no matter how you look at it. Definitely. Definitely. No christening that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, there's another point I wanted to ask you as it relates to, you know, mm -hmm. coercion and consent and diminished capacity. And mm -hmm. it is a trigger topic. And okay. I'm I'm trying to frame this as kindly as I possibly can because I'm remembering the different movies and TV shows that have brought up similar such topics as it relates to consent, right? So yeah. if you have, I don't even want to say a partner, but if you are engaging with someone in a way and they have a disability, disability in the sense where it could be a mental disability in terms of, uh, uh, what is the word, uh, like a learning disability, um, mm -hmm. disabilities like that. Um, and autism, even. I've mm -hmm. seen that also in TV shows recently, and everything's everything's going to be okay. I think it's at, on Freeform. There was a conversation around whether the autistic girl could consent to having sex with someone who was not... Uh, neurodivergent, that's the word, right? Neurodivergent, mm -hmm. yeah. Neurodiverse, yeah. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I mean, she's also drunk. There was, a whole, there was a whole other thing that played into that, but there was also conversations about was she able to consent to this because of her autism? Right. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that some people also think about. In Glee, in Glee, um, one of the girls, she had Down syndrome and she had a boyfriend who was quote-unquote a normie. A normal dude. Mm. And Coach Sue Sylvester was like, why are you with her? Why are you taking advantage of her? What's going on? And he's like, I love her. What are you even talking about? This is not a factor for me in the way that mm. you're thinking. So I kind of wanted to bring that point up as well and how mm -hmm. people can view consent in those situations from the outside and right. how it yeah. might not really match what's happening on the inside, yeah. like we said. Yeah. Um that's a kind of an interesting situation and it can be challenging and not to mention you can really go off on deep ends uh i think a couple of key things there is to treat every person like an individual and to kind of think or really interrogate if you're trying to look at and analyze the situation you know what is the capacity for both people to engage in consent and all of the things being relatively equal you know are these folks that are for lack of a, I guess, better way to put it, sort of in the same league. I mean, it, you know, it, it does autism by definition mean this person is not able to communicate their boundaries or to consent or to talk about inhibitions and things like that? Um, I don't want to walk around and start saying people with certain challenges or mental, you know, capacities or whatever, you know, neurodiversity, um, you know, type uh, marker they may have makes them suddenly less likely or less able to consent to things. 
you know, um, first of all, in this day and age, especially in this very day that we're in, how many people do you know don't have a mental illness? I mean, there aren't that many people that are just fine, never had a problem, everything is good, haven't had, you know, so I would question that to begin with. I, I tend to think that people that are just 100% fine all the time and there's never been an issue either haven't discovered it yet, are really good at lying to themselves, or their therapist sucks, one or the other. Um, but, you know, that being said, I think everybody has... Um, the right to again determine you know what is um ethical for them what you know capacity they have to make you know make the right sort of decisions and whatnot and it involves a conversation uh you know but let's be honest like you were saying and by the way you mentioned a whole bunch of tv shows i don't watch so much tv tv apparently i watch movies <laughs> i watch documentaries i watch hockey and i watch for, uh, uh lewis hamilton kick ass and formula one that's about it Right. I mean, I'm, sometimes I go back. I found out Thundercats was on Hulu or something. I went and watched that. But I mean, other than, I mean, I don't do a lot of watching TV. Um, so, yeah, Glee, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of. Uh, what else did you mention? Grey's Anatomy, I've never watched. Uh, something else. The Practice. Is that what you said? The Practice? Yeah. Or uh, private, private Practice. practice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have no, I have no idea. Uh, so, um, but it, on the one hand, if somebody is has a disability, you know, what is a disability? How does it affect them? Is it somebody that can still communicate it and, and you know, can talk and, and whatnot? And because the problem is if we start worrying about jumping in and people wanting to white knight every time they, there's somebody with a disability, we've got to make sure we are not completely ignoring the capacity of any person with any disability to be able to discuss their boundaries, to be able to advocate for their consent. You know, I would think that would be something that somebody with a disability would want to be able to sort of say and, and, and show that they have the ability to do and the right to do. Um, you know, you can't know who's taking advantage of whom um, necessarily because all other things, you know, being equal, if people are of a legal age and there's no real crime being committed or, you know, uh, or concern and whatnot, I, I think consent is one of those things that, um, let's be honest, folks with disabilities need to be able to have that conversation. I know people with mental illness have to do it all the time, you know, because you learn as somebody, you know, as somebody who's got, you know, neurodiversities myself, when you're talking to other people, you have to be able to have the conversations. These are things you talk about when you get into any sort of interaction, like you said, not necessarily partnership, but any sort of interaction with somebody. So, you know, um, just assuming that the person with a disability by definition has a, like we were saying earlier, using the phrase diminished capacity, I think is a dangerous road to go down. Um, but that that would really, I think, want to be looked at like a, on a case-by-case -case basis. Because who decides whether or not you are capable of consenting or not? You know, if you're able to do all of the things, you know, who decides that somehow you're more, now are they more vulnerable? Yeah. I mean, there's always vulnerabilities. Uh, again, depending on, you know, the, the disability we're talking about or the neurodivergence that we're talking about. Um, but I, I don't like the idea of just sweepingly deciding anybody who's got a disability therefore has a lack of capacity to consent. Um, and, you know, yeah, that, that's basically it. That's the way I would look at that, I think. Yeah, it's very important. Love it. Thank yeah. you for phrasing it that way. I really appreciate I just want to bring it up because I know this is something mm -hmm. I've seen in media and stuff, so I just wanted to oh, yeah. throw it out yeah, there as absolutely. a part of the consent conversation. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, no problem. So back on the, uh, I guess, just general consent, uh, what do you yeah. think are some tools that can really help us like navigate consent and boundaries and you know being aware of how we move in the world um i like the idea of vocalizing it out and writing it down. um because 
what happens so much with consent because we do it so much because remember it's literally every interaction so we don't realize we are having negotiations um and and every interaction is that when it comes to certain things we'll clam up or assume or make assumptions so one of the things that i always do is write them down um, when i started teaching and i started teaching from um you know the little model i developed which i call the five pillars of consent i started writing it down and noticing where it would pop up in every interaction you know i have gotten into um like met somebody literally online had a conversation with them agreed to meet them for dinner in person and literally wrote down my five pillars and made sure i was going through that and it was all on you know all on board so i, I think making it more tangible because you know even in the beginning of this conversation we were talking about consent and it's almost this abstract idea like we know what it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like but it's this sort of way up here abstract idea that for some reason most adults think they have a handle on even though they've never sat down and talked about it was the last time you sat down and wrote out you know what does consent look like and make sure are you getting an enthusiastic you know agreement to doing this so that's the first thing um is that the, the you know making sure that if you're the one seeking consent um the way to make sure you're not coercing somebody is you just give them the the the, uh, the sort of idea or the proposal because consent is the agreement to or approval of something done or proposed by somebody else you are asking someone or giving them the option making the proposal but my rule is always ask and then take a step back literally give them the opportunity to digest what you've said make sure they know what's going on but they have to be free to either agree or to say no and that's how you don't coerce. So in other words, I propose blank to this. You can either say yes or no. I'm so ingrained in this consent stuff and anybody who's ever interacted with me knows that um, um, I will do this sometimes. I'll ask the question, I'll make the proposal. Um, Jen, do you wanna have a Skype date with me on this date? And then before I finish asking the question, before the question mark, I'll put a comma. I want you to be aware of the fact that no is a perfectly acceptable answer i will not get angry i'm good with it but i'm making this proposal to you what do you think and then i'll just let you decide so in other words i go overboard some people just ask the question and lean in and they're you know making it known that you're anticipating the yes and yeah people do that but i make it a point to let people know it is okay to say no i have been told by various people that for some reason i can be intimidating now say what you want like i said earlier you know jen you can being a queer woman you can be threatening you know sham and i would understand being black men in certain situations we look threatening somebody told me i was scaring them in a zoom meeting once and i was like look you know I'm, my thought is i haven't began angry typing but let's not go there but i have learned that i can be intimidating so what i do is basically overcompensate now it sounds crazy but you got to remember i'm a black dude alone in Texas, I'm trying not to scare people if at all possible. I'm trying to avoid misunderstandings. So hey, so I'll say, hey, listen, you know, I got this idea. Blah, da, 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 da. Now, by the way, you don't have to. It's just a thought I had. No, it's a perfectly good answer. You let me know. I'll find something else. Okay. But I want you to understand. I would love to do this with you if you're free. But no is a perfectly acceptable answer. And then you shut up and let them talk. And number one, whatever the answer is, say thank you. That's the other thing. Um, when I talk about trying to build a consent culture, one of the things that I lead up to is that, like I said earlier, we're in a world full of people that are terrified about saying no. And there's a reason for that. We've learned that no hurts someone's feelings, that no is considered a rejection. It's considered a negative. And let's be honest, in this society that we're in and societies all over the world in the past and up to and including today, certain people can get murdered for saying no to the wrong person at the wrong time. 
you know, don't get me started talking about um, my black uh, uh, trans sisters. All right. You know, they just have the nerve to exist and people think that their lives don't matter and then start whacking them left and right. So I can understand the fear of saying no. But what I do is one this is somebody I want to interact with. I want them to feel free to say no. So if you tell me no, I'm going to say, hey, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that because what you just did by saying no was tell me that's a boundary. And again, you let me know how to not cross that boundary. So I'm appreciative and I make sure to model being thankful when someone tells me no. Plus, if you've ever told me no, then I know later on if you say yes, I can trust it because I'm not worried about you being intimidated by me. You won't just say yes because Zach said something to me or asked. You will say yes because you mean it. And as me as like an educator and whatnot, if people are intimidated by Zach, the consent educator, as opposed to Zach, the person, I want to get let them off the hook. You know, and there's other ways of finding ways to do it, but you try to be as non-threatening as possible because, you know, sometimes you can look at somebody in a way that's coercive. You just have to be careful with that. So that's the other thing I would say. And then two would be practice. Um, practice it in ways that you are uh, well, to. I think I'm up to three now is practice, practice it in ways that you wouldn't think. Because remember, every time you interact with another human being, there's consent there. Just ask and you'll find little ways to um, seek consent that you haven't thought of. One of my best examples is something that I do on a regular basis. When people I know that I'm chatting with, especially now, again, in this virtual world, they send me a picture. Whatever the picture is, I'll ask them, can I save this? And they'll be like, yeah, usually they get surprised. But if you think about it, when's the last time you sent somebody a picture and they asked if it was okay to keep it? We have this assumption in our society that if I send you something to your device, congratulations, it's yours forever. And I may not want you to keep that in your damn cloud until it gets hacked by Russia. You know, now that's a small thing that we all just assume. And I'm sure legally, you know, once I send it to you, you do whatever you want with it. But we know that if something goes across the airwaves, it's out there. But I'm asking you, hey, if I send this to you, I have the right to say I'd rather you didn't keep that. Would you go ahead and delete it? I just ask. Most of the time people say yes. And they're shocked because they've never been asked before. Right. But I practice that and I do it on a regular basis. You know, and what's, what actually happens to me is I get asked multiple times by people, uh, or rather I ask people multiple times if I can keep something. I'm like, sure. And eventually, like my partners will tell you, they get tired of me asking. I say, yeah, but listen, you can always keep something I send you. Eventually, I get the blanket consent. But until they say that, I don't make the assumption. So, and then that would be the last thing is that the assumptions are we know the phrase these assumptions are the mother of all fuck ups. The same thing as the mother of all misunderstandings. If you ask, you're not assuming. Find out. And that's the practice when it comes to consent. You cannot assume someone's consent. Um, one of my favorite examples is this. Have you ever heard that phrase, it's better to ask for uh, forgiveness and permission? In the consent world, that phrase is a fucking lie. It is bullshit. Don't do it. Because what you are literally saying is that this person might say no, so I'm going to not give them the opportunity to, which by definition is a coercion. Let me help you feel bad about yourself real quick. That's what Bill Cosby was doing. He was drugging people so that they couldn't say no, and then just hoping that his charm and money later on would get him out of it, as opposed to asking and giving someone the opportunity to say no. If they don't have the opportunity to say no, by definition, they're being coerced. So it's better than that. ask for, for forgiveness and permission is literally what Bill Cosby did to his victims and why he's in prison right now. Yeah. Now, how that. about that? How about that for a bomb to drop on you real quick? Yeah. So it's a big old bomb because I know that right. a lot of people love that. Yeah. Like reciting that little mantra, but yeah, no, mm -hmm. definitely don't agree with that. Yeah. And people joke about it. And I mean, you know, they, it's, I've heard wives say, you know, they go and buy their shoes and don't let their husband know about it until afterwards. Well, you know, hey, at this point it's done. But what you're saying is you're trying to avoid the fact that they might tell you no. It's by definition coercion. You know. And even if they don't, don't 
um, use it in a, let's say, a, a really harmful scenario, right. it's still just a, a bad it's mindset de- to have. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Because it's still a coercion. I mean, it, it's we joke about it all the time, but it literally yeah. is a coercion. Definitely. All right. So what? All right. So what? what I guess just for a, a concise, just having mm-hmm. it all in one place. What, what would you say are the five pillars of consent? Okay. Uh, write these down. The first one is uh, it, write down the acronym or the word invest. I N V E S T. So the oh. five pillars. The first two is I N. That stands for informed. Okay. So the next you have the letter V, voluntary. That's where they have to be free from any and all coercions. The third, the letter E, is enthusiastic. Anything other than an enthusiastic, hell yes, by definition means no. Maybe means no. I'll think about it means no. Uh, one of my favorite examples that I use in my uh, workshop is that there was supposedly this uh, tribe in Africa that didn't say no because it would hurt your feelings. So they would use a phrase that literally translated to, I will consider it forever. <laughs> I will consider it forever means <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, definitely I'm means gonna, not. I'm going to look up Af- that and start saying it. <laughs> okay, it actually came from a movie. There's a, a stupid-ass movie called, uh, I think it's called uh, The Air Up There or something like that. It's back when Kevin Bacon was in everything. It's Kevin Bacon and this really tall black dude. And supposedly he asked him something, and the guy smiles at him and says, Jalan or something. And that's that – I don't even know if it's real. It might be something Hollywood made up. But suppose, But I do know this, for example. Um, I believe it's the Japanese culture where it's considered rude. Again, that language is considered rude to say no to somebody if they make a request. So when you ask somebody something, it is the, the onus is on the person asking it to keep them from having to say no in order to disagree with you. Let me give you an example. I would go up to you and say, Sham, hey, you want to go to the park and play basketball? But if I ask you that and you don't want to, you would say no. So instead of me asking you that, I'll say, Sham, you don't want to go play basketball, do you? Now, in order for you to tell me no, you have to agree with my statement. And so that way I keep saying no, and yet we're not doing that, right? Think about that. I mean, that's literally – they have a grammatical way of getting around – making you say no in order to disagree with what I'm saying. I have to ask the question so that you can agree with my statement in order to tell me no, and everybody's happy, right? It's crazy now, that think, that's something. <laughs> now, think about what that says about humanity. We're so afraid of telling someone no that we'll come up with that in order to not do that, right? And I, now in English, we just have yes or no. There's really no in-between, but that's the key. So anything short of, and I always say a hell yes. It's got to be a very clear, enthusiastic hell yes. By definition, is no. One of my favorite quotes is from Ralph Waldo Emerson, where he says, "Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm." And I always make the joke: When's the last time you half-assed your way to the greatest sex of your life? Have you ever had an amazing experience and there wasn't enthusiasm involved? Then why would you half-ass it through something, especially with somebody else that you're trying to interact with? So make sure enthusiasm is a part of it. That's the E. The S in invest stands for specific or specificity. You have to use the words. When I um, would talk to young people, I always say if you can't use the words for particular body parts, you're not mature enough to start having sex. Okay, you can ask somebody, can I kiss you? Fine, okay, you can do that. But if it starts getting other stuff and you want to start using euphemisms, I'm a very straightforward person. Euphemisms don't work with me. I had no idea what Netflix and chill meant until someone explained it to me because I thought it literally meant Netflix and sit on the sofa and hang out. I didn't realize that that meant something else until it was told to me. So you have to be specific. Use the words um, and you know, stop using euphemisms. We're adults. We're allowed to say things like you know, 
penis, vagina, anus, whatever. We're allowed to use actual words instead of making something up because we're afraid of the embarrassment. I don't understand that in this day and age with adults. I mean, I know we don't have sex education, but for crying out loud, we've got the internet. Learn some stuff, okay? And the last one is timed. Timed can be complicated. Number one, when it comes to timed in a consent is it's linear. Like I was saying earlier, you have to ask for consent before you do something. There's no doing it than asking if it was okay to do it afterwards, right? You ever seen somebody in a club or a bar grab someone by the ass and say, hey, you don't mind that, do you? Too late. If you ask after you did it, it's, you have already coerced them because you didn't give them the opportunity to say no. So someone has to be able to say no and that no be respected or otherwise it's a coercion. So the time part is it's linear. And then the other thing is in your negotiations, if you're not specifically listing a time when you're talking about it, you have to assume you only have that one shot. So if Jen asked me for a hug and I say, sure, we hug and let go. You don't get to hug me 20 minutes later without asking again. You don't get perpetual privileges to hug me because I said yes once. Or I'm in a relationship with you. I said yes to sex last night. Doesn't mean I, by definition, have to allow it to happen this morning. My mood could change. I could feel differently. I could have had a bad dream. You don't want to start doing that stuff. So those are the five. Just remember the acronym INVEST. Mm -hmm. That's invest. some stuff I years ago, and I, and I copyrighted that. I'm very proud of that, by the way. So it's probably going to be on my tombstone if I ever have one. <laughs> it's very good. I like it, especially the enthusiasm part. That one, mm -hmm. that's very good because it's like it's a maybe a and a kind of like that's right. not real consent. You want the enthusiastic. Hell yes, yeah. as you said. Let me blow and, your mind with enthusiasm real quick. Think about it um, of any time you have heard about any consent violation. If people had adopted this model and used enthusiasm and had not done anything outside of an enthusiastic hell yes, would that consent violation have still happened? I highly doubt it. Right? I mean, that that's kind of the key there. You know, I mean, this stuff doesn't really go on. And, and by the way, it turns the no means no thing upside down, and I can explain that way more later. But the bottom line is no means no is not enough, and it never has been, because it depends on the presence of a no. Um, or the presence or absence of a no rather than the presence or absence of a hell yes. And what I'm saying is not no means no, therefore I told you no, don't do it. It's like if you don't hear a very clear hell yes, you do not have consent, period. So assume the no until you hear a yes rather than the other way around. So. Oh, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yep. Listeners, I hope you are taking notes. Um, that would all be on the test. Five pillars <laughs> of consent. Yeah, literally, yeah. So, and hey, if you want to want me to ever come back and talk about just that, we can do that too. I, I do that a lot. So, I make that offer because I know Jen's gonna ask me to do something at some point in the future. So, it's all good. Wow. Okay. <laughs> now we're just attacking right Jen. Out. We we've just gone right from the hey, this is super informative <laughs> to the we're just gonna shit on Jen moment. I see. Okay, I got you. Look, am I wrong? It is okay. not my fault that you've already agreed to appear <laughs> at a later date. I, I even have it in my calendar. I even sent you a calendar invite for that. So really, it is not my fault. Okay, I guess so. Yeah, that's true. All right, we're going to let that one go this time. Okay, cool. You're right. My bad. See, now that I am redeemed, now, now that I am back. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So is there anything else you feel like sharing with us about consent today? This is like a free space. Oh, man. There's so many things. I know. Yeah, we we went through a bunch. Workshop. Yeah, but um, uh, it, it's not easy. I mean, people like to call me an expert in this stuff. Man, I started researching it several years ago. Uh, got pissed off and started teaching it. And every time I do it um, and have conversations, I, I learn with folks. But um, it really is a practice that you have to practice every day. 
it's like anything else you get good what you practice but you got to do it well um so yeah it it's um big and small you'd be surprised getting good at doing consent in the small ways makes it so much easier to do them in the large ones so that's what i would say definitely is um practice and i'm you know, one of these days, if I ever actually have some free time, I'm going to start working on literally consent exercises um, because I think it is that critically important to um, our society, all of us. And, you know, think of it as a different framework. You can either um, do it to protect the people that you're interacting with or do it to save your own ass. You know, do it, you know, like I do, you know, you know and that's again how I, it started. You know, now I'm just careful in general. But, you know, do it to make sure that you are on, you know, um, your uh, P's and Q's, as it were. Because like I said earlier, you know, some of us don't go through the world just expecting things to work out in our favor. So, Yeah, see, that's an amazing remark. And that's that's all I have. I don't know if Sham has more. Well, it's all I have right now. Because Zach knows, Zach knows this means I'm going to be in his inbox or in his text messages or something later. Like, hey, you said this thing and I was really thinking about that. And I really want to ask you. <laughs> He knows, he knows. That's why he's like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, All I'm right. Want a blackout, yeah, in the social media <laughs> thing and take a break for a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, so. What's up, Sam? Anything else? Oh, I got nothing else. I'm still recovering from the last three times my mind was blown. <laughs> so I'm still piecing my mind back together. So that's all. Uh, I might have uh, to send a, 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 a apology card to, to Sam's family and his <laughs> wife. Like, sorry, I, I didn't mean to mess your boy's head up like that. I was just uh, being me and. and it's fine. It's, it's the best kind of mind blowing. It is one of the best kinds of mind blowing. It's right. I love an educational mind blow. Like I, I love, I love that. I love that kind of blow. And now, so Zach, tell people where to I'm find you. You said that. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing that. Hold on, I gotta write educational mind blows. Since you said, it. okay. Yeah. Where to find me? I am all over the place. Um, particularly uh, on the interwebs. Uh, easiest way to get me, uh, Twitter. I am at black underscore sex geek. I say this every time. You have to use the underscore or else you'll get Ruby. Um, hey, Ruby, love you, sis. Uh, so, yeah, that's me on Twitter. Uh, I do, am on the Instagram. It's mostly just me posting, like, you know, memes and looking at dogs. But it's uh, Z, uh, the first letter is Z, and then it's Invictus, I-N-V-I-C-T-U, and the last letter is Z. So it's at Z Invictus on um the Instagram. Let me see what else. I've got my website, consentwarrior.com, that I need to go update uh, with some more things. I'm going to start working on a blog. Um, I started a podcast. You know about this, Jen. That has I nothing do. to do with consent education, but it's just me ranting at the things that I like and don't like in the world. And it's literally called the, the ABM or the Angry Black Man podcast. Um, there's a link to it on my website. And yeah, that's about it. I would give people my email, but I don't. I already get too much email, so uh, we're gonna leave it there for now. But yeah, hit me in the DMs yeah. and whatnot. I can be found. And no, hey, I love questions about consent because it always. I, I, this is consent is a collaborative thing. It, it's gonna take all of us together building a consent culture. Um, and you know, sometimes we have to be revolutionary about it. So I'm cool with uh, people reaching out. Oh, yes. And don't worry, we'll put the links to his podcast in the show notes as well, guys. Fret not. We've got you covered. You don't have to look too hard or too far. We got you. Yeah. I can imagine, like, listeners after hearing this are just saying, you know, I like the way he explains things. What if he was explaining just other things? And now you know where to go. Well, don't worry. He will be explaining other things for us soon. Soon. We'll have a special... You know, I'm just going to... I'm going to drop it. We're having a special episode with Zach and someone else to talk about kinky shit. So 
Now you guys oh. know what to look forward to. It's about oh. kink. There's a kink episode coming. It's going to be heavily Zach featured. Honestly, I might just <laughs> sit back and let Zach and our other guests talk to each other and then just kind of, you know, feel the moment. Like that yeah. that might happen. <laughs> yeah, don't go listen to my podcast though before you listen to the kink episode because my podcast is just me ranting angrily at the things I see in the world and uh, it might terrify you listening to me talk about kink afterwards so i mean but aren't you a sadist does it really matter i am a sadist yeah i mean trust me that it um no it would matter because if you see me coming at you with various implements that make me smile that would probably scare the shit out of you if you just heard me rant for 90 minutes about things that piss me off you'd really be on edge so um no i mean it, many faces is zach so um yeah, different vibes. You got different kind of vibes, you know. Absolutely, that's what it angry works. Vibe, you got your sexy vibes, kinky Yeah, vibes. I come here to educate, and then I go over there to rant and you know let it all out. So that's kind of how that works for me. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We're gonna make sure to set everything up real nice for you. So thanks again so much for agreeing to do this. Like yeah. I said, we'll drop all of Zach's linkies in our show notes, which I will do. I swear, guys. <laughs> I... <laughs> it happens. Okay, mm. I will do them before. Tuesday. That's what I will do. So sometimes the show notes catch me at like 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night, like <laughs> trying to finish them <laughs> for a midnight release. But don't worry, I will get them done in advance or something. I feel like this will be a particularly challenging one. I think I have to be like, all right, all right, this part don't work. All right, this part don't. Oh wait, we made another uh, another tangent. I, I got to do another sub brand or something. Yeah, but you know, Godspeed to you. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, and I'm going to make Sham edit the interview for this episode because <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Oh, man. Just got to send this Thank over you guys here. very much. You know, I love coming and hanging out with you all. So I appreciate it. Thank you. We love you for being here, for taking time out of your night. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. And once again, we want to thank Zach Budd, our favorite consent educator and current, you know, favorite kinky friend <laughs> for coming and talking to us about consent. Really, really appreciate it. Like we said, our minds were blown several times in that conversation. Like so many. I'm so still many. reeling from that shit. Definitely. And he, you know, he already said that he'd like to send um, apologies to the wife for my mind being blown, but it's fine. No need to apologize. I accept all of this blowing. No. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely some blood involved, again. I'm sure. We're going, left, we're going left again. But, you know, it was a good time. and Happy to have him on and happy to learn so much about something I thought I knew. But, yeah, I am still learning about. I still haven't learned everything yet. So, Yeah, we're learning. We're figuring it out as we go along. And it's so great that we have educators like Zach. And, you know, I'm, there are other consent educators out there as well. He's just our personal favorite, obviously. Which means um, the best. But, People really, really trying to have these critical conversations about consent. Because like you said, consent is a part of our everyday life and we don't even think about it. It is exactly. Just, oh, man. Uh, you know what? I'm getting chills again. I can't do it. I can't do it. Let's talk about something else real quick. Um, last episode, we mentioned that our good friends at YouTube Bright are launching their website. And yep. that happened. That happened on the 19th of September. So you're probably thinking... What does this mean for me? Well, if you go to youtubebright.com and put in the code monogamish, you get 10% Ooh, off your order. We got our very own promo code, guys. Look at us. Yeah. Moving on up in the world and getting Moving you cool up. stuff or cheaper. Because you know it's hard out there and you know y'all want oh, to yeah. save a little money. 
So get in there, get yourself some 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 cool shirts, some cool outfits. You know, look nice while you know staying on your couch. But you know, if you're gonna stay on your couch, <laughs> you might as well look good. Look good in those Zoom calls. Yeah. Look good in the Zoom calls. You know how it is. So go to yourtoobright.com and place your order today with code monogamish. And of course, we'll put a link directly to the site in the show notes and the code right next to it so you guys can see what's going on. Um, is there anything else we want to tell the people? Oh, duh, like follow us on social media. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Monogamous Pod. Pod. Oh, I thought you were teaming up. Oh, were we? I don't know. I thought uh, we almost teamed up. Almost, almost. And of course, you know, hit us up on monogamishpod.com. Absolutely. Our detailed you can check show out notes. Detailed show notes and links to everything, including our merch shop, which yeah. is there. So Things are happening. Things are happening. We're doing our stuff. Um, so yeah, launchpod.com has a link to find us pretty much everywhere. Uh, I'm actually working on getting the YouTube together oh. just to post some things every once in a while. I mean, so you yeah. guys can just find us on YouTube as well. That would be great. Just so we can have the followers in advance. That would be great. Love you, <laughs> Kay. Just love giving them homework. Poor guys. So sorry. It takes like two seconds. Come on. It is not so bad. Just search Monogamish Pod on YouTube and you will find us. Don't be don't be dramatic. It's okay. And you can also check us out on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Monogamish Pod. Or just search Monogamish Pod on SoundCloud. And you get our three most recent episodes there. We try to keep it updated as best as we can. And by we, I mean Sham. Sham does that. Yeah, I do my best. But, you know, if you want the... Like the whole catalog, you gotta you gotta hit up on Anchor or not, or Apple Podcast or something. But if you just want what, what's what's happening now, then SoundCloud is your place. SoundCloud is the place for you, and you can hit us up on Patreon. We would love it if you could find us on Patreon, please and thank you. You can support us for as low as three dollars a month. Um, but of course, the more money you spend, the more goodies you get, including T-shirts, stickers, bonus episodes, and monthly ask me anything's ah you're probably wondering where you when are you gonna get that i don't know when are you guys gonna sign up for the patreon when you do you get the good stuff you get the good stuff that's it that's right and And you can even suggest that if there's anything else you want you can just tell us what you want and we we will see if we can make that happen at the right price of course (laughs) and you can also just if you want to just give us money that's fine too you can give it to us on anchor that's amazing. Uh, put the links for that in the show notes. You can support us directly through there. And where else can you find us? Did I? Did yeah, we did. We said yeah, I think Apple, we did everything. Yeah, Google, Spotify. We, did all we the said things. a lot of stuff. Rate and review. Where to find us? Five stars. Yeah. All that stuff. Five Rate stars. Subscribe. Yeah, you can find us again. We put all these links in the show notes. If you don't see it there, it's on the website. Fret not. We we got we got the stuff everywhere. Um, oh, I've also added a new page to the website so you guys can see all the places that we have our guest appearances. So I have a second podcast, which is a bachelorette. Well, it's a dating, it's a reality dating show recap podcast. <laughs> and uh, we're gearing up for the start of the bachelorette at the middle of October. But yeah, I'm putting that page together. So when Sham has a super special podcast appearance elsewhere, that will also be on there in addition to me being a whore. Yes, Ben has decided to focus all her Bachelor energy somewhere else. So for those of you, if you're missing like, oh, I wish that Jen talked more about The Bachelor. I don't know why. But if you do, you can go check out her (laughs) podcast. Uh, Hit that podcast name again. The Bachelorettes. There you go. The Black Bachelorettes. Getcha. Right? So it's fun. It's a fun time. Uh, We have a couple episodes out now. You guys can hear them. And... uh, 
that's all I got. I don't yeah. have anything else exciting happening in my life, you know. Well, nothing's happening. Exactly, exciting is happening right now. Coronavirus, such is life. Yeah, it's just the Rona. But until next time, but wait, pod friends. Uh, wait, and of say? course, one last thank you to AllPlayground.net. Just making sure we right. get in one last time. Oh yeah, that's right. We want to thank Alt Playground for sponsoring us and supporting us. So yeah, check them out, AltPlayground.net. And now, now for the real last time. I'm Jen. I'm Sham. And and we're, we're monogamous. monogamous. I don't know. That was kind of. I sounded a little curious there. Kind of. <laughs> we're getting there. I mean, we're, we've been getting there for like almost a year now. But we we are getting there. Oh my god, we've been doing this for almost a year. You know better at this outro. <laughs> XOXO. Bye, guys.